Where are we at? What's what's Jim going to get us uh, started on tonight? <laughs> what? I didn't realize it was all my fault. Well, at least well, something's my he fault. He just had to put air hey, hoses on Trevor's Trevor's stuff. Fault. Isn't everything Trevor's fault? No, not yeah. anymore. Yeah, he's, he's carrying the blame now. <laughs> yeah, not oh, anymore. I think it's it's Jim. Great. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I might have to concur with that. Uh, he's uh, uh, peer pressuring me into doing a better job with my trucks here, so... Yeah, and thanks to all you guys, uh, Chris and Ted, for the traction show. I'm now looking into scratch building a um, self-powered overhead line service car. So you're actually going to build it S193 or 192. <laughs> yeah, whatever the number is, I I think it would be neat. Oh, it be, should be interesting. No, I see. In that case, that would be all Ted's fault. Yeah, <laughs> not not mine. It, it doesn't have to hey, run. Hey, please, please, I really don't want to be in the same group. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you guys. I mean, one of the things that I have really come to enjoy. I mean, all of you guys, but we need to, and and we got to include Tom on this at one point. But we got to pick a show next year, and we all aim to go to it. And we have we we meet, maybe even have a a booth and you know, promote the show for Tom and that. But I'd love for us to meet somehow and and uh, be together for a weekend. I think we'd have a riot. Mm. Now, Clark, you're, you're going to be at uh, Springfield, aren't you? I oh, am. Yeah. I'm coming to Springfield. Okay. And uh, I'll maybe drag Chris yelling and screaming. Which? Uh, no, I'm... I'm. I, the hotel's already booked. Oh, you're going? Yeah, I'm going to go to Springfield next year. Oh, perfect. Right. Okay. Maybe I'll actually and uh, probably uh, Trevor's going to be there too. Yeah. Uh oh. <laughs> so now it'll be, that is that is my fault. It'll be <laughs> another it'll scale for Jim. It's San Andreas' fault, actually. Um, okay. <laughs> well, don't, don't. You're going to humor humor our art. Yeah. If you're going to our it's uh, electrocuting themselves because they're the conductor. I don't know. <laughs> oh. oh, you're hot tonight. No, that was one from last show that uh, that Ben said, and it didn't make it into the final cut. Oh, the only the only one that made it into the final cut. I don't know if you heard. There was after the closing theme music uh, was uh, uh, Clark hanging the uh, the fishnets up, hoping that Santa Claus would fill them for him. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Looking for that tall blonde. Yeah. 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 That, into the I final think I'm cut. getting a lump of coal again. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Isn't it licorice, not real coal? Yeah. yeah. You're going to get an entire coaling tower in your stocking. There you go. <sighs> I'll take that any day. Yeah, well, I know. Most, most of the steam era guys would. Yeah, I talked uh, with uh, I talked with Will Flat and uh, uh, Glenn Whitehouse after the last show and conveyed gratitude for them them coming on and having to put up with the the crappy phone connection uh, to participate and 
they had a good time and and uh, if there's another traction show in oh, we were thinking about doing some specials every six months or four months or three months or something I don't know quarterly uh, they'll uh, they'll be back to uh, participate and will will have his high speed up and running by then because he just finished moving he hasn't got anything hooked up to his house yet so and uh, I was supposed to talk to uh, Marty McGurk. It was all set up for this week. And because of the weather and everything, we his travel times went through the roof and we just didn't hook up. So I was going to talk to him about the uh, the Carolina Central and the Andrew Scoggin Central that he did in his, uh, his books. But uh, we'll have to put that off to another time. And uh, for the 1900s show, the pre-1900s show, appreciate if anybody can... Uh, can identify and find uh, the odd modeler to come on and uh, talk about the the challenges. Craig Fiskeyer. Well, yeah, Craig's a good guy to uh, as a candidate, uh, and I'm sure he's he can find some time to do it. Uh, but we yeah. want to talk specifically about the difficulties and challenges and rewards of modeling something that's out of the ordinary like that. And, uh, or Bernie Kempinski. Yeah, Bernie, yep. And, uh, well, Don Ball. I mean, there's yeah. all sorts of people out there, but they, you know, there's a lot of people out there who have already had an opportunity to, to share their, uh, their thoughts and experiences. It would be nice, uh, how, you know, however much I like listening to, to, uh, Craig and, and Bernie, especially, I think it'd be nice if we could find some people that haven't had an opportunity to, uh, to speak, uh, to, uh, to spread the opportunities around a little bit. So all the more reason to love this show. Anybody can just call in. <laughs> anybody can call in, but we have to let them know we exist. So uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there is a uh, a Civil War railway uh, mailing list. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we could get some people off of that. Yeah, yeah. Now that's a very specific uh, a specific application or a specific era for it. I mean, that's just uh, they tend to focus in on one particular time frame. Uh, I mean, I have a I have a particular love for the Grand Trunk uh, pre uh, 1880 when they were actually five foot six gauge, and uh, that's pretty much impossible to to buy anything that's even remotely useful for that uh, off the shelf. So, uh, however, if you model double uh, O bodies on S scale mechanisms, you actually work out properly. Uh, don't ask me to figure that out, but anyway. I'm doing uh, some pre-1900 ship modeling, but I don't think that counts for this podcast. Well, it's, um, well, your structures and accessories have to be done as well. There were no steam-powered, well, there weren't many steam-powered ships, uh, and there, you know, everything was mostly sail, and a lot of stuff was wooden buildings or stone buildings, and you know, you didn't have the same sort of things that uh, that there are even after the, the turn of the century, uh, just in the 1910s and, and uh, pre-First World War. Very, very different look and feel to things because a lot of stuff pre-1900 was built, you know, 70 years before that. It was reused. Uh, so, anyway, uh, I... I Apologize, but I have to uh, I have to call it a night because I have a real early morning tomorrow. And uh, uh, great talking to everyone. I hope everyone has a great holiday and a safe and happy new year. And we'll be talking to you early January. Chris, uh, have a good holiday. Maybe we'll talk uh, 
even over the holidays or something. Yes, indeed. And, uh, I've got to get up too. I've got to probably be up at about uh, in about five hours at four o'clock in the morning. So. Uh, <laughs> I know, I know. It's yeah, awful. But, you, uh, honestly, you guys, I wanted to thank you. Uh, you know, we'll be talking to you guys in the new year, but honestly, uh, you guys have become like new friends and, and uh, really appreciate all the camaraderie and uh, the gentle jokes. And, uh, you know, it's it's terrific, but I... I would really like to see us somehow get together, and we'll certainly get together, uh, Jim, in uh, Springfield and have some fun. Yeah, and, even if uh, you were giving me depressing news the entire week. <laughs> uh, not me. Um, and, uh, well, no, you're, you're just the messenger, that's all. That's right, but uh, we're going to... I can't, I I can't shoot you, I don't have a gun. So. Uh, I can't hey, shoot the tracks and so... What do you also think um, uh, other topics are? I know we got one for, you know, uh, the 1900s. Do you think uh, you guys want to put on your thinking caps and, and maybe think about some other? Because I think this format of having a an actual topic seems to be working very well. I, I know, uh, I don't know if uh, Tom and, and Chris, but they, it seems to be just really works well. I don't know. It makes How about when we get Dave Ferry on, do um, non-summer scenery? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm oh. trying to get my dad to come on and talk about architecture, uh, railroad architecture. Oh, uh, that'll be cool. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. interesting. He has, yeah, I'm always looking for sources of plans of buildings, so. Yeah, for sure. What okay. kind of buildings? Any buildings? Things that would be appropriate to late 1920s. Yeah, one of the things he's uh, said many times to me is that, you know, uh, railroad structures aren't really that different than any other structure that's built during that time. You know, it might have some kind of company look to it, but uh, yeah, other than purpose-specific structures like roundhouses and that kind of thing. Right. I guess a structure is a structure, but, you know, uh, they have a specific use, and we, we modify that for the for the railroad business as such. Well, I thought that the... Um that whole topic of, of course, it may not be everybody. The whole topic of you know how to become a master model railroader and what do you got to do and what things you could possibly do to you know. Clark, we could Clark, certainly Clark, Clark. That. No, yeah, I was thinking sur- about it. I was thinking about it before that, Ben. <laughs> yeah, no, we could uh, certainly talk about that too. And uh, I think I have put out to several guys, and I don't want to mention their names in case they, um, we can't get them, but uh, a number of the NMRA guys and uh, some names that you'll definitely recognize, I think they'd all... They'll you all can always to, uh, change the names to protect the innocent, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, when you hear their voice, you might go, hey, I know that voice. <laughs> yeah. But um, but I think, uh, yeah, we, there's all kinds of neat things we can do, and uh, I think it's just getting bigger and bigger, so... Um, I know uh, Tom and and uh, Chris were talking about the format. I don't know how you change it or how you, because you'll want it to be as lively and as exchange of information. Yeah. So and and I know I think it's I think what it's hard for Tom because he doesn't want to cut off anybody or mute anybody, but he almost has to. So right. I, I don't think 
I, I personally don't take it as an offense or whatever, but I think he may may take it as a little bit, you know, that he he's maybe cutting one of us off to get somebody else in. But I think that's what you have to do. So. Yeah, if somebody was brand new and hadn't listened to the show for a long time, you know, or listened to the live audio to realize that people are muted and that there's a whole backlog, you know, somebody might be a little bit offended if they're muted and then are sitting there, you know, for 15 minutes waiting to say yeah. something, racking up their phone bill. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, but it's, but then if you get the uh, the TalkShoe Pro client like I'm doing right now, it doesn't cost anything if you're oh, talking okay. to the computer. Yeah, if you use Skype, it costs money. If you install the TalkShoe Pro, it doesn't cost anything. Yeah. That's well, well now, hold on. I used to a couple weeks ago, and I, I didn't see anything come off my account at all. But it what? forced me to use Skype for me is like a buck, of an, buck an hour. Yeah, it's not much money, but it is something. Oh. I mean, I've been, I've been, I've just been talking yeah, if so long. Skype record, if you enter your talk shoe pin, um, calling in through Skype, then there's no charge on my Skype account. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because okay. on the bottom, like when you call in the talk show, it says, do you want to call in now using Skype or VoIP? And you just hit the button and it almost does everything for you. Oh, okay. huh, because with, with the regular talk shoe chat box, the request to talk button is always grayed out. Yeah. Never that been able to figure out why. One of the things um, that a lot of the guys who we contacted to be on the show said, well, how do I how do I join in? And I said to Tom and Chris, I said, I'm not the guy because I'm not a computer guy. How do you explain this so guys can get on and make it easy for them? And maybe that's something that uh, we shouldn't even leave to Tom and to uh, Chris. Maybe one of us could to take, well, not me, I, as I said, maybe we could just make a real, you know, follow this procedure and you can get on talk show. I mean, it's pretty straightforward, even I figured it out, but maybe yeah. just some basic directions. That might be uh, helpful, then we can just put it on the list. And, yeah, and, some uh, directions, maybe with some screenshots, I think would be helpful for a lot of folks. Yeah, yeah. Well, but even then, you know, people who don't have a computer, you can just call. Sure. You know, that's, sure. that, I, th- I think that's what happens with a lot of people. It's, um, I mean, if you've ever heard um, uh, Tony Custer on the Scotty Mason show or any other show, he doesn't use Skype. He calls on yeah. a telephone. Yeah. I, I, I mean, the sound quality isn't as good, but you know that's. Even though he's a well, he, he's a pro phone guy. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, he's he's one of the guys that I was talking about. Uh, I'm going to try and get Tony on and uh, some other guys. So. I yeah. know when we when we go to Vegas uh, in a couple months, uh, all those guys will be there, and uh, we'll set it up so that we can get all those guys on, maybe even one night, and it'll be uh, a lot of fun. You can ask a lot of questions, and some these guy, a lot of these guys are good modelers too. They're not just uh, you know Anna Marie geeks. <laughs> so, yeah. So. Is there a plan to do an NMRA show, the topic? Well, I think that's what Tom's idea is, that um, we'll do a kind of an NMRA-based show sometime in sort of the end of, of February because uh, he'll be able to meet all these guys, and then we'll we'll talk about getting them on. And I even suggested that maybe if we could take um, get a laptop or something and actually do a... Hello? There. Hello? Uh-oh. Hello? What happened? Had a really bad voiceover IP call. Hello? Hi. I'm here, Ben. 
Now, now you are. Somebody's cutting out. Or they're getting uh, mugged. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that sounds like uh, a very, very dirty line in terms of their uh, their home broadband connection. Ah. That That's my business, so unfortunately when I hear it, I'm like, oh, I know what it is. Is this Ted? Yes, it is. Okay, I just wanted to connect the name and the voice. Oh, okay. Must be Clark. Yeah, it is. Because can you hear me? No. No, can't hear you, Clark. <laughs> okay, so now we can start talking about Clark, and he can't say anything back. That's right. We can see him type, but we could ignore that. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't know Clark well enough. Apparently, the post show is the Jim Lincoln show. Well, you know. I, I, didn't, I didn't realize that it was. <laughs> yeah, but you're not doing the stand-up act tonight. Well, I don't even know what the heck I was. What people are talking about with the stand-up? I, I it's like, what was I, I doing? I think, I think Tom is giving it to you. Because um, I'm like, stand-up. What are you talking about? What's the line that runs up through Princeton? Because I, I stumbled upon a railroad crossing, driving my daughter up to Wachusa today from Spencer, and I came across a grade crossing that looked like it was. Class one. Oh, the B and M. That's what it is. Rutland yeah, Boston, going into Rutland no, going into Princeton. You mean right near Wachusett? Uh, no, to the south and west. To the southwest of Wachusett. Yeah. Oh, um, that could be the central Vermont. Is it? No, no, that's further west. I'm sorry. That's further yeah. west. Uh, some four months out by East Deerfield. Um, right. Don't know. I mean, I know it, it I, I know that the B&M... well maintained. Mm-hmm. The B&M is just north of Wachusett. Yep. Not very far. If you took me to it, I'd probably say, oh, okay, I, I yeah. know what this is, but... Do you ever get into, uh, ever make it up to the Deerfield yard at all? Uh, I have. Have you been up there? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I used to go, I mean, I would love to model that. I mean, I had days, I used to, I, right after I got out of high school, I, I went, I spent one summer every weekend, just about. Every other weekend, I would drive up to East Deerfield. And, Is that uh, when they only had the the bridge open for rail fanning, or did you go all the way inside? Oh no, it was just just the bridge. When and when I'm showing my age, but when I was growing up uh, in 1972, three, four, before the uh, 91 was even completed, because we used to have to take Route Five and go around. Because uh, when my brother was born, my gr- my father used to take us up there. Uh, to do rail fanning, literally the the rip tracks behind the uh, the roundhouse, the roundhouse, the uh, the switching tower was right right next to the uh, the bridge. We used to be up inside the the tower. We'd find out what trains were coming, and we'd know when oh, they yeah. were coming by to take pictures. That uh, was when it was the B and M. That was before Gilbert. Yes. Though. Yes. Yeah. It was. Yeah. You know, if they needed to do a cab ride. Test electronics, mm-hmm. we were in it. You know, I learned cool. I learned how to run a GP nine before I was nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, cool. It was it was a much different, much much different oh, world. 
Oh yeah. Oh, now yeah. my 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 fond memory was when they wound up have, telling us to go out in an SW twelve hundred and drag a freight in because they had gone wildcat. They've gone wildcat. Mm-hmm. So they wound up having to hook the little little SW. We only came in at about five miles an hour, but he dragged the whole train behind him. <laughs> cool. Oh, you mean you know, you mean they um, went wildcat? You mean they the outlaw? Outlaw. Sorry, outlaw. Okay. They they couldn't it, because of the amount of time they were on. They were illegal to move. Right, 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 right. Oh no, no, I know. <laughs> well, I'm just making sure I got the phrasing right. Yeah, it's outlaw. On the law, outlaw. Yeah, wildcat. I'm like wildcat. Yeah, sorry. That's all right. But uh, yeah, I remember doing that. That was actually a lot of fun too. Oh, that and I remember when they had to divert the Alouette when it was all bud cars mm-hmm. coming down from uh, uh, Montreal. The only time I've ever seen uh, eight bud cars running together. Oh, okay. Cool. That, no, that I was, was right at. I was that going was right there in '84. Mm-hmm. I I was only going there when it was Guilford. It was Guilford when I was going. So. Yep. But I was I was rail fanning when Guilford was interesting, you know. When you had every single contest was basically anything you could possibly imagine. Yep. You know, I've got photographs of the the Alcos, the main central stuff, the, the everything. What kills me is I didn't take more more photographs of cars and stuff. All I did was taking I was only taking pictures of. Um, yeah, a couple of buildings here and there, but not really any rolling stock, just locomotive. Yep. Yeah, Jim and I were talking about that earlier this week, and it's it's hard to find good photos of, well, not hard, but it's, it's much more difficult to find good photos of rolling stock than it is locomotives. Right. It's not as sexy. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, you know what I think? It, I, well, it's not as sexy. The other thing is, when you're spending so much on film... You know, because the locomotives are sexy, that's what you're taking pictures of. That's right. Because you're spending gobs of money, gobs of money on the amount of pictures I take of cars, I would go broke, more than broke, um, if I was taking these pictures with a film camera. Uh, It just just wouldn't be possible. It's... You know, now with I think it's more prevalent, obviously with with digital photog- photography. Yep, that's a good point, Jim. And I guess I should really give those guys credit—the ones that did take some photos of just a uh, you know just a boxcar, you know, like the ones we saw the other night. Uh, right. I didn't think about that that standpoint, the expense of of capturing that image. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and plus that boxcar is just sitting still in the siding. What interest is there in that? <laughs> there is. You're weathering it. And yeah. I think, you know, now with the advances in technology besides, you know, uh, besides the, the uh, digital photography, but um, the models, the models really lend themselves more to um, doing the detailing and the weathering because they're just, okay, now I have this beautiful model. Now I can make it look realistic. Whereas really nothing you could have done to an after box car is going to make it really look that realistic. If that makes any sense. 
I think there's a better realization or more recognition of just weathering as a uh, as a technique to begin with than there would have been 20, 30 mm-hmm. years ago as well. And plus right. the products that are out to do that. You know, there's, there's more and better airbrushes. There's uh, all the powders out that weren't out uh, 20, 30 years ago. So I think people are becoming more aware of what's going on. Did, did somebody, people like uh, John Allen, did they do weathering on their cars? I think they yes. did. I think they wound up borrowing an awful lot of stuff from the the artist side of the house, yeah. using uh, chalks and uh, a lot of oil-based stuff. I mean, all the stuff they're trying to get rid of now. Fortunately, a lot of it does the best job, too. So, Ted, what do you use? Do you use uh, you an acrylic fan or you a, a solvent-based fan? It depends. When I, I, I'd rather use a solvent-based paint. I think it adheres better. There's less prep work when you use a solvent-based paint. I mean... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it, gra- it grabs a little better. Yeah. And a lot of with times, plastic. Yes, yes. A lot of times what I'll wind up doing is I will prime in, in uh, enamel and then paint in acrylic. Tooth to it. Gotcha. Yeah, because it stays on the car. Now, if you guys check your email, I just sent a thick picture of what I was doing while I was on while we were on the call. Well, okay, it hasn't gone through yet. The picture's so big. <laughs> yeah, I was the whole time the call was going on. The whole show, I should say, I was busy reweathering my the, the trucks that I was uh, working on last week, trying to get a better. Better look based on those images we found. Now, one thing. Go ahead. I was just gonna say. No, I'm just saying. I the only one I've gotten to come through has been the uh, uh, the picture I sent of the uh, my little trolley layout. I haven't seen the other one come through yet. Well, no, because it hasn't been sent. It's uh, my phone is gurgling. Well, it's you know thinking about it. It's 1.7 megs. This, the iPhone takes enormous photographs. That's and the good. last time I was... Mega, oh, yeah. megapixel camera. Yeah. Amazing. It looks so much better uh, in the photograph <laughs> than it does in person. Oh, it looks pretty good in person. I'm sitting about two feet away, and it looks pretty good. It takes me forever to do this, but... You have an iPhone 4? Yes. Fortunately, I'm in the uh, one part of my house that I don't get... Cell phone reception. Otherwise, I'd take a photo I'm doing as well. That's handy to trade pictures back and forth and get some real time. Now, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you what you think of uh, of something I was going to I was contemplating doing. I uh, bounced it off of Tony Custer, but um, I've been watching movies. I, mean, I got a lot of videos. I came across a bunch of. Uh, I was able to come into 40 years worth of model railroaders and various other things for a really good price, sifting through them, looking for plans, actually. And um, I was, and one of the things that came with all this stuff is I got about 20 uh, great model railroads with Alan Keller. And I was thinking about, I don't know, if you, if you look at modern boxcars, you see a lot of like EEC and GMRC, just boxcars that obviously were somebody else's that they've re-stenciled for some other rinky-dink little railroad. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. Yeah. 
I was thinking as to, I may do some of these cars like VNO, mm-hmm. the you know VO Husik Valley, just HV VO, just restencil them, mm-hmm. just kind of out of respect for these railroads that don't exist anymore. Yep, and particularly Alan McClellan, Alan McClellan, who's probably one of the biggest influences on how we go about the hobby now, and his railroad doesn't exist anymore. In any any one of its permutations, and I said, you know, it might be neat to, you know, even be, oh, you know, this is such a prototypical looking car. Why would you letter it for that? You know, it's VNO. I I think in my mind, at least in the model railroad world, is as much of my, is as much a real railroad as any real railroad. If that makes any yep. sense, I, I think it makes a lot of sense, uh, Jim. And yep. like I said, it shows a lot of respect. And and I've heard other folks talk about that before. I've I have a no guy who is. Uh, somewhat related to me that I started a business called full full circle models. And, uh, uh, that was based on the, the name of that company was based on the idea of, of, uh, putting out some model kits that were based on, or I should say they were assembled in a manner that was similar to what, uh, John Allen's and those kind of guys back in the fifties did mainly cardstock and that kind of thing. So I was, I was impressed when he told me what the origination of the name was, because I, you know, I hadn't really thought about, uh, uh, you know, paying attention to what what people had done before me, mm-hmm. and that kind of my eyes to you know it, 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 he's got a good point, and that's the same point you're making, Jim, and it's it's a valid one and a good one. Well, because I mean, particularly the Virginia in Ohio, uh, it's interesting because I have two of Alan Keller's videos of the original Virginia in Ohio. I mean, just a great model railroad, it really was, and. I think he. I mean, I mean, this isn't this isn't a secret, but he's the first one that really was pushing making a model railroad be more like a real railroad. I don't think very many people can talk about you know people at least in model railroading. You say, oh, you know, Virginia or Ohio. Oh, right, yeah, that's a railroad. <laughs> Why not? But this, it's the same thing like with the Hoosick Valley. Is what would these railroads be like if they still existed? Because obviously the Hoosick Valley. Um, I mean, he does. He only models 1955 or what, 52, whatever it is. And um, when I talked to Tony about it, he he was interested in the idea, and he's uh, he said we never got past the 80s. You know, I'm just thinking, you know, what would these, what would the 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 stuff look like? But in mean, most people, it's amazing. You see so many cars, at least around here, for EEC. Like yep. EEC, what the heck is EEC? We probably see more EEC cars over here than going to the one industry that we have. Interesting little layout on a different note. Interesting little thing here, Ted. Um, although you took like it that? upside down, you took it upside down, so it's a little bizarre. I, but I sent it flipped though. Huh? Head up, yeah. I sent on it yours, the right way. Really? Yeah. Well, on my, on my it's phone, it's upside down. I did that. So uh, I, was able I think to look it's like at four it. inches. <laughs> no, it's like three inches, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I can believe that. That's a, that's a nice, that's a nice hard turn right there. The uh, the squared off section at the right hand. Yeah, right hand. Extra melamite shelf, and that's where that came from. Uh, the um, the email from me should have come through because I just got it. Okay, that's actually all uh, hand hand bent. Uh, Atlas 55. 
Atlas 55. Yeah. yeah, I actually just took it, flex track, and just bent it around. And it's all sprung into place. It was actually a real pain in the butt to put that way. And then it's a cut down, the, the, uh, I think it's a 60 degree uh, crossing. But the, <laughs> the trolleys run beautifully on it. I actually have it hooked wow. up to a uh, battery eliminator. Uh, a little old school uh, 1.5, 4, 6, and 9 volt uh, multi-headed battery replacer. And I just have it hooked up on that and it just toodles right along. Interesting. You going to string wire up? Yeah, I think I'm going to. It's hmm. it's small enough I can do it. Again, I want to finish something. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's the, that's just the for big thing. No, you said a battery replacer. You're talking about a uh, it runs straight on battery. It doesn't have a DC straight DC power. Is that what you're saying? Uh, it, it is straight. It's straight DC power to the to the board. It's got a single power input. But uh, what I meant by a battery replacer is that the, you used to be able to go down to like Radio Shack and get a power pack that you'd be able to slide adjust the uh, the voltage, and it would have a whole bunch of miscellaneous barrel connectors and a nine volt clip and stuff like that replace batteries. Oh, gotcha. And I did that instead of putting a power pack on it because I can just click it down to whatever I want. I'm also going to see if I can use this layout to put some automation in, but I'm afraid of cutting the rails. If I wind up cutting <laughs> the rails, they're going to spring on me. Yeah, I, I could see that happening. I could see Especially that. Well, you know, you know what? If you... How, how is it... How is the track... Put down. It's actually nailed down. Ah, yes, that could be, that could be problematic. One thing that you could do, uh, you have to be careful with this. Very careful. Um, make sure you clean it. If you have like, uh, I had all the track on my railroad on the N scale railroad is actually fastened down with a um, with a Woodland Scenics. Uh, low temperature glue gun. Ah, interesting and, idea. I actually, because most of this is actually going to be embedded, mm-hmm. or buried up to the rails. Mm-hmm. I actually could do that and just well, run I'm a doing, bead right down the middle of the track. No, no. Uh, run a bead like you would weld. Run a bead yeah. along the ties, along the edges of the ties. That's what I did. Okay. So yeah, you, you know you. Yeah, you, the only thing is you've got to be careful and clean it because you can't see the little strands of glue. Yep. <laughs> you've got to clean those off because I was running stuff, and fortunately one of the, some of the little strands got caught around the wheel of one of the cars and not yep. the locomotive. But I'm yep. like pulling these things, and I have this, the grade on my railroad is like 4%. 4%. Wow. And I would put... And I'm like, man, this car is having. I'm like, the wheels are slipping trying to pull this one little tank car up the hill. I'm like, what's yeah. going on with this? And I put the tank car on the hill, and these with with the Fox Valley wheels, yeah. so these things roll real nice. I put it on the hill, and it sat in the middle of the four percent grade <laughs> and, and didn't move. And I'm like, what is up with this? And then Did I leave the I handbrake on. I know it was like perfect little handbrake. I just wouldn't suggest that in normal operation. Uh, yeah, uh, but that's uh, definitely a a change in how I've 
done things. I mean, it it holds the track real well. God help you if you want to get that stuff up. Um, but it it you know it you just got to be you know kind of. I like the low temperature glue because you can put your finger, you can put it on your finger, and it doesn't it it's hot, but it doesn't burn you. Nope. Hey Ted, I just I just looked at your uh, what you signed below your signature, the the comment. Oh yeah, <laughs> the camel. That's, yep, that's uh, amusing. I'm, I'm, waiting, I'm waiting for Tom to say something about it. <laughs> that actually came from, there was an article I was reading, it was about a year and a half ago, and they were talking about the, that <laughs> they brought, <laughs> they brought camels to, to uh, Australia because of their ability to, you know, the long distances with everything else in the interior portions. The problem is, is that they they the population never decreased, and they got loose. Now they got like wild camels ro- rolling around. So here you got this zoologist of all people turning around saying, "Well, if I was if I was a camel, I'd rather get it in the head than somewhere else." I'm like, <laughs> it's a perfect signature. Yes. This, is this a recent comment? Uh, eighteen months ago, maybe. Okay, so yeah, it's recent. Now I'll ask you this. I'll ask you this question. Now, if you were going to do uh, on a separate subject, not about shooting camels, um, but uh, would you do? I I, I kind of know what I'm going to do, but just I'm thinking just VO, not VNO, because none of the modern railroads use and like B B and M uh, is just BM on boxcars. It's not uh, B and M in modern uh, boxcars. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you <laughs> when you sat there and said it just looks like BM on a boxcar, <laughs> is that natural weathering? <laughs> yeah. No, I, it doesn't look like BM on a boxcar. It's just BM. It's BM with no B end. There's no end well, symbol then, in it. How did Alan Keller do it though? Did he on his reporting march did he have Viando or did he have VO? I think he had Viando, but. Um, in times past, the Boston and Maine was B and M, but now just you know wanting to save on paint. I don't know what the heck they're doing, but I've never seen it. I've never seen an and in the modern reporting mark. Yeah, I'm looking at some older uh, some some of the models here, and they have B and O and and W. But uh, these are also models that are representing 1930s boxcars. So mm-hmm. I th- I think it would be real interesting because you could do also do G and D. Also, mm-hmm. the Gore undefeated, and do the modern reporting marks for that type of stuff would be really interesting because then you'd actually get people to think about what what you're actually running. Yeah, actually, yeah. I'm looking right now at uh, a Gore undefeated boxcar that uh, came. I'm not sure who made this kit, um, but it's uh, had a reporting mark of G and D. Yep. Take a picture and send it along. Then I also, and, uh, I also think for for your area too, Jim, that you need to be able to do the uh, the G and U, mm-hmm. the Grafton and Upton, and that's actually a real reporting mark. That one's still that's registered. A, that's still registered, but they, I don't think they have any cars. No, they don't. But it, I I know that the reporting marks are still registered. Mm-hmm. At least you could put that on there for somebody also. And then yeah. uh, the other one I was thinking of is. Uh, ALTS. See if you can figure that out. 
Was that Atlantic Terminal? No, it does not exist. I mean, it does not exist technically, but it's related to the V&O. Oh, I don't go back that far on that stuff. Well, the, v, the V&O, remember the V&O and the, Apple, uh, the Allegheny Midland uh, by Tony Custer and Steve King's Virginia Midland, they quote-unquote merged and became the Appalachian Lines, okay. just like CSX was doing. They basically did the same type of thing. They merged to be able to compete. So they gotcha. became the Appalachian Lines. So that's Appalachian Lines, Appalachian Lines, Transportation System. Gotcha. ALTS. ALTS. Although, um, like on most most CSX equipment, a lot of it's it's lettered separately. It's not CSX. It's BO. Yeah, BO. Uh, BO. Running down these. See, I'm just I'm just like cranking this stuff out. I don't even know what I'm doing. I mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. I still see NYCs and uh, yep, yep, sort of thing on other cars. But what happens is the railroads assign them there for tax reasons. Yep. You know, there's business reasons why instead of you know Springfield Terminal, Guilford, or whatever owning it, the main central owns it. So that's right. They put they put MEC on boxcars. So, They'll have it on a whole bunch of engines. Oh yeah. Accident by the way, me. beautiful car. By the way, I see it. It came through. Do you like that? Very nice. So that's your yeah. that's your first car in the fleet, right? Uh, that's the, the first the one. That, that's the that's the first one that's been proto forty eighted. Um, nice. thank you. That's I mean, it's the <laughs> like I said, it looks so a heck a lot better than. So no. you you spent what uh, you spent four weeks or so on this, so uh, you'll have a a twelve car train built in. No, 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 no. You don't understand. No, I honestly it does not take me that long. Um, this last week, I haven't done anything to it. The, what you see on the side of the car has all been today. Yeah, but it looks so, fantastic. It does. I love the rust you put on the end of the car. Yep. Thank you. That looks unbelievable. The door actually doesn't look too bad either. And you say... I'm just working it, my way down the car. <laughs> what's, the, you, what's the wash out there? To the left of the door, there's, there's a uh, very light section. What's going that on? Was a, that was a mistake. Oh. Um, it, it, it was... I when I, when, when I first put the paint on there, it didn't look like that. Um, what it was is... <laughs> you and your future floor wax... First, what I what I first tried to do because I hadn't faded the car. I mean, obviously the reporting marks I sanded off with twelve hundred grit sandpaper. Yep. The first what I tried was I mixed. Uh, I guess it's CSX tan paint with Future Floor Wax, and I put it on the side of the car to see if I could fade it because I wanted a wash, and water has too much surface tension, so it doesn't do a good in a wash. So I figured, let me try this. And that was fair. Not great, but fair. Um, then I tried something else. I tried, um, after that tried, I tried mixing the paint with, um, what the heck is that stuff? Not vinegar. 
don't do that. It doesn't work. <laughs> See, now, you can, in, in the old days, couldn't you just use a lacquer-based, not a lacquer-based thinner, but a, a normal thinner to make your make the washes, and you knew because it was an, an active paint that it would actually adhere properly? Now um, that we've gone to the acrylics, you can't do that. I remember doing that with military models, just making up mud. Yes, with I, half, could, I could, half I could and, do that. I could do that. I could, you know, I could use uh, odorless mineral spirits and do this. Um, where I'm working and what I had available, I wanted to try. I didn't want to try. The first thing is I wanted to try it with the future flow wax because the acrylic is going to bond. Yep. And um, I wanted to try, and I didn't want to try a solvent-based paint in the acrylic. That's why. The other thing is I didn't really have any light-colored paints in um, solvent-based paints. The uh, main thing was I was using Future, and so I started off using um, the acrylic, the liquid acrylic with the, the uh, water-based paint. It happened to be the color that I had. And then once I started with that, I said, well, I'm not going to mix a solvent. It's it's the light color that I had. So I figured, well, uh, what is it? Uh, Solvacet, the stuff for doing decals? Yeah. yeah. That's what I really wanted to use. But it's out. I, I didn't know where it was. So I figured, well, it smells similar to vinegar. So I'm going to try vinegar because i got an unlimited supply of vinegar in this house. So it says, I'll give it a try. What's the worst that's going to happen? I'll paint over it. Well, what happens is when you try to mix the paint in with the vinegar, as soon as the paint hits the vinegar, it kind of like clumps up. Yeah, you get it's a like all these factor. Yeah, it, it all it congeals all the paint. Now, if you work at it, it'll mix in. You can get it so that you put on a wash. I'm just saying, don't do it. What do you say, Ted? Um, what factor? What? Ted says something about something factor. Congeal. Congeal, congeal factor, okay. Whereas if you just use straight isopropyl alcohol, that's what this finished effect that you see, that's the acrylic-based paint with isopropyl alcohol mixed to a wash and then put on there. And on that one spot that you see that's extra faded, that was, I put more alcohol on that spot. The, the brush I was using, I don't do a really good job of cleaning them, so like little clumps of paint were coming out, and so I was trying to get it off, and then I put alcohol on, and it made like the whole the whole side of the car crinkle. The whole the paint I had just put on it all crinkled up. Now that could have been the fact that I was going over future floor wax, and it was attacking the wax. Could be. Um, it it dried fine. I mean, it looks fine. There's no crazing yeah. or anything, so I got no problem with it. I probably it, wouldn't. It, go ahead. No, go ahead. Now, isn't the the isn't there a uh, what's the rule when you're putting on paint? The hottest goes first, so the most reactionary paint goes on first. Yeah. So that when you wind up putting the next coat on, it doesn't react. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you work your way out. Otherwise, if you put yeah. hot paint over a a cold paint, it winds up crazing. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. uh. I, I've heard about this, Ted, and, and I have have not experimented with putting two different kinds of paints on top of one another, but but uh, I could never remember which way was was safe, and that's an easy way to remember it. Hottest goes first, 
Makes sense. Yeah. Um, and the worst part is, is when you try doing that when when you're using rattle cans, it's really hit or miss. <laughs> yeah. Especially yeah. if you use a cheap black rattle can. Oh yeah. <laughs> I. Uh, that's oh, like, I will. That stuff eats anything. You know what though? I uh, bought some cheap gloss black from. I mean, cheap, 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 cheap. The cheap stuff from Walmart is great. That That's stuff the is stuff great. that I was talking about that was eating everything I put against it. I've put it on everything. I don't have any problems. Like really? the gray paint, the white paint, gray paint, white paint, the silver paint, and the rattle can. That's like ninety nine cents. Yeah. That is like some of the best silver paint. Does it dry? It, I I always had trouble with silver paint. It would always be tacky. Just the silver yep. paints I was always ever using were horrible. Tester's silver paint was horrible. Yep. And um, but the the silver paint, if you want to buy, you know, if you want to do like a one of those, um, what do you call those? Uh, the boxes, the electrical boxes, the railroad electrical yes. boxes. Yes. You paint that. You paint those with the, the that cheap silver paint. They look great. I mean, yep. it really looks great. I mean, for ninety nine cents, you can't beat it with a stick. That's right. Um, they're, the white they're, paint. They're, go ahead. There. Uh, I'm sorry. I keep interrupting you. I feel horrible. I uh, either that or I interrupt you. So. Okay. Uh, the their box their red primer and gray primer are my absolute favorite uh, yes. finishes. I absolutely uh-huh. love that stuff as a base coat. Yeah, the white the white paint's good too. Um if you need to ba- if you need to base coat something white, the flat white is really good. Um the other thing that you can do with like with the silver paint, you put the silver paint on something and if you want to make it look a little more um galvanized, overspray it with a light coat of the white. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It's an interesting effect. Um but I use the cheapo. It's hard to find it. Well, I suppose it's not hard to find. But you got to go looking for it a little bit at Lowe's. But Lowe's sells a few colors of 99-cent paint in cans, yep. rattle cans. And I'm using the gloss black on um, some plastic uh, um, 55-gallon drums. I'm yep. m- building up for this chemical plant that I'm doing. And it work, works okay, not great, but um, I mean it it covers okay. But the problem with gloss paint is if you don't do it right, you've got to keep putting coat on coat on coat to get it glossy. Yeah, really glossy, you know. So that's the only problem. But uh, anyway, since it's midnight, this wow. yeah, <laughs> crikey's crikey, yeah, that's a great that's a great commercial too. Yep. Um, the one that's like, we he gets the what's his name gets nailed by it's the FedEx commercial. Yeah, <laughs> he gets nailed by the snake. There's nothing to worry about because we've just ordered the uh, anti venom by FedEx, so there's nothing to worry about. The guy goes, crikey! <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> someone someone ordered it and didn't use FedEx. But there's nothing to worry about. <laughs> and on that note. <laughs> on that note, yeah. 
Oh man, I probably should send you this too. Send you the end of the car. The end of the car is that one's hard. Um, the end of the car was hard for me because I keep wanting, I keep looking at this, and when you look at the effect on on prototype cars, it's um, looks like it really needs to be spray painted, and I simply don't have the ability at this moment. Although I have three airbrushes, I don't have the ability to use them. Um, besides, you're not really having a good air compressor, and I don't have the um, I don't have a uh, spray booth hooked up. So, but uh, let's see. Can I actually send this photograph? Doesn't look as good as I would have hoped, but email. Conference is scheduled to be broken down automatically in five minutes. To extend the time by sixty minutes, press star eight. All right, you all just heard that. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, that's a great. That's a great. Tra- <laughs> that's a great ending point. They actually <clears throat> turn around and tell you. It's now time for you to go to bed. Yeah. Yes. All right. You go to bed. I'll send you more. New, I'll put some new photos out of the uh, most recent truck uh, colorings. Mm-hmm. Cool. Feedback. But yeah, that well, that was interesting. Um, that was a really cool bunch of pictures, uh, Matt. That I got them. They're they're fantastic. I went back through them again this morning or sometime today and found a couple of additional ones that were uh, very helpful. And, and one thing that's very consistent about all of these is the uh, kind of grimy face of the wheels. And yes. then the past, and I and I repeated it here just while I was on listening to the to the show was you know putting a little bit of paint on the face of the wheel and then uh, putting some weathering powder on top of that. Yep. And uh, that gives just the perfect look. Yeah, the um, that's what I was doing on the side of the car, Ted. Is I'm putting paint and then weathering powder over the paint, or yep. in the paint. I put I put a basic rust color, and then I put weathering powders in the paint. Yep. yep. That's kind of what I was doing. I did a couple of different things. I, I mixed some paint with the weathering powder. I just uh, put the weathering powder straight on wet paint, and then put a little water on top of that so I could get into a soup. Um, Yes, it gets uh, kind of dispersed around evenly. Mm-hmm. And uh, yes, obviously. well, the roof, the roof of the boxcar is uh, that wasn't done with paint. That is actually you take the weathering powder and you mix it with either saliva or water, or alcohol or whatever you want to use, and you you mix it into like a paint. You mix it into a paint-like substance, and then you just brush it on real thick. See, one thing I've noticed a lot with modern boxcars is the roof looks like what you look at in that on the model and a lot of guys don't I've I even Mike Rose I don't see him doing um models like that like the roofs he does more toned down roofs but he doesn't model 2010 he models 1990 and which a lot of cases a lot of these things were a lot newer they weren't in such bad shape so am I the only one left no you're still there no. <laughs> Looks great, man. Anyway, um, the other good thing is is that you sit there and you have plenty of time to 
to really understand how all this stuff looks right now because it's what yeah. you see every day. Right. And um, that's why it's very convenient for me to model the Delaware Lackawanna in 2009, 2010, whatever I'm modeling, you know, is I can just go down, I can go down to Framingham and take some pictures of cars. I have thousands of photographs of weathering on freight cars. I mean, just that's, and that, that's actually the door, the door and that, um, that, that car end is I'm coming, I'm going right off of a model car. I'm not, not a model car. I'm, I'm basing it on a prototype car. Right. So. All right. I'm there. Now take a look at it before you get to bed. Yeah. yeah. Cheerio, everyone. All right. Good night. Good night, guys. Can I actually hang this up? Here we go.